Okay, I do have one who is going to share our verses with us today. But I want to ask, is there anybody else besides the one that I know of? Anybody ready to go? Okay. Debbie, do you come up or do you stay there? I offered even the bag on the head, whatever you want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Christ, just as he chose us, in himself before the foundations of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption through Jesus Christ in himself according to the kind intentions of his will. To be praised of the glory of his grace. Okay, what's the next word? Which he freely bestowed on the beloved in himself, or in in the beloved. Okay. Um, In him we also have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses uh, according to the riches of his glory, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made us known to the mysteries of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the uh, fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ things in the heaven and things on the earth. In him also we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to uh, according to his purpose did I do something else? No, you got it. Okay, according to his purpose. <laughs> um, according to his purpose, which he uh, works all things after the counsel of his will, that is, the summing up of all things, in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also, I think I messed up. It's okay. What, what's that, what okay. did I leave out? Uh, I, you actually went back. Okay. So you made it harder. Oh, where am I now? Okay, um, to the end that we... Oh, to the end that we who were the first to have hope in Christ would be... Uh, to the praise of his glory in him you also after listening to the message of the truth the gospel of our salvation having also believed 
You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise according of a promise who was given as a pledge to our inheritance with a view uh, with a view to God's own compassion no to, with a view to the uh, the Redemption, uh, with a view to the redemption of God's possess, own possession to the praise of his glory. Yeah. <laughs> that is so hard! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that is fantastic. That is wonderful. Thank you, Debbie. That was that was wonderful to hear. It encourages us because now everyone wants to do it next week too. <laughs> so we're looking at Ephesians today, chapter one, verse number seven. Second part of verse number seven. As uh, so well said to us, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. This is a precious, precious, precious section of Scripture. Heavenly Father, help us today as we uh, walk through this passage. I know, Lord, that this will be meaningful to all of us and especially to some of us. And uh, you know the hearts in this room. You know the needs of this room. You, you know the burdens that are carried. You know the, the concerns and the worries. You know all these things. You know us. And I'm so glad you do. As we study your word today, Lord, we realize it's like looking in a mirror, and we're going to get a full glimpse of ourselves, but we want more than anything a better glimpse of you. Help us with our study today to understand you better and to rest in what you have done for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have worked through this passage already on several of the identifying labels we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, it's important for us to realize that those things are given to us. I know I say that every single week, and I do it on purpose. They were given to us, and they're only realized through Jesus Christ. There's no other way but through faith in Him that these things are possible. And because He has given them to us, we have them today and continually. And I'll just keep stressing those points as we go. But as we have started this study, I, I made it a point that this is not a list of things that might identify you as a believer in Christ. These are who you are in Christ. And this list is not one that you pick through and, and see what fits you best. This list is not multiple choice. Each and every part and each and every piece of what we are seeing in this passage is true of the believer in Jesus Christ. 
And you as a believer are no exception. Alright? It's very important that we understand that these facts are that you are blessed. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are holy. Right? That's what it says. You are blameless. You are predestined. You are adopted to a place of a son. You are redeemed. And those things are all true. And you may say, well, I still wrestle with them. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) This is what God has done, and this is what God has said. And so that's why we're learning it. And here's the hard one for a lot of people. It's the one we took a look at today. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. I know that's a big struggle for some. The word forgiven. I'm going to speak of it as a fact. And some people are going today to say, but you know what? It's not easy to forget. To forget my problems, to forget my sin. Many times you will say, you know, I may forgive, but I'll never forget. Have you ever said that before in your life? <laughs> Many years ago, when I was uh, maybe 10 or 11, I don't know, it's, it's been a little while now, my brother and I had an argument over a baseball cap. Now, it's real simple to say, I was always right, my brother was always wrong. <laughs> He's younger than me, of course. But at some point in the argument, he grabbed the cap that was in my hand and uh, pulled on it in a very aggressive way. Now, those caps had the little buttons on the top, and the buttons are held by little metal clips. And the clip, because the hat was worn, was already sticking out one side. And when he pulled it out of my hand, he put a gash in the palm of my hand. I still remember that. I think I forgave him. But I still remember that. And yet, at the same time, I don't remember the hurt. But I still have the scar. The other day I said, I still have that scar. You know what I did? I looked on this hand first. I said, wait a minute, it's gone. (laughs) No, it's still there. I use that illustration, uh, it's not a perfect one, but I, I think it's similar to the fact that initial hurts may diminish over time, but scars are often there for life. And we know that. Being sinful beings, it's not hard to cause hurt to another person, is it? Or to be hurt by another person. It's not even easy to use the word forgive. Forgive. For some people, especially. I I believe since we operate and look at uh, forgiveness in a horizontal way between one person and another person, it's easy for us to view God's forgiveness based on our experiences. And sometimes when we think that way, the particular scars in our lives due to sin, deep scars, embarrassing sins, things that were better off never mentioned, can easily come to a conclusion based on that, that God's forgiveness is conditional. 
or that God's forgiveness is limited, or that God's forgiveness maybe is even unlikely. Because some people struggle with it that much. What I love about the way God does things is it goes so contrary to the way I think. It leaves me so completely amazed to look at these words that I'm going to share with you today. Forgiven is quite a word. It's right there in the text, isn't it? It says in verse number 7, right there, it says that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. This is something you wear as your identity in Christ. It is just like the rest of the things we've studied here. You wear this label. You did not earn it. I did not earn my right to have that label either. It was given to me by God through Jesus Christ. Same way you have received it. Forgiveness is given by God through Jesus Christ. And it's something you have right now. You have it right now. In verse 7, the text says we have two things. Maybe it's one thing mentioned twice. (laughs) Maybe it's mentioned and clarified. It's kind of an interesting text. But in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Now, that could be this. The verb is we are having, we have. And then there's two direct objects following it. We have redemption, and we have forgiveness. And it can easily be seen that way. Or sometimes we look at it and say, no, it's more like we have redemption through His blood. That is, and to explain what redemption is, we go on to say, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. And we combine the two words. If I combine them and share what a part of what I shared last week, it would go something like this. Remember, I compared redemption to a certain tool. What was it? A crowbar. Good. You just saved everybody from hearing that sermon again. A crowbar. That's the idea that uh, it is a tool. Redemption is something that pries us away from something we are stuck to. The blood of Christ is that which paid the price to set us free. That's technically what redemption is. It is a tool God has used to break us free from the slavery of sin. Now it can also be said that God has done... uh, what God has done to redeem us to, that deals with our trespasses is to forgive us so that we can be free. See, they're similar in concepts. And I don't think you have to choose one or the other. Here's the beauty of it. You have both. You have both in Christ Jesus. Both at the same measure. Both at the same time. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 is like a a sister passage to this one. There Paul says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness 
and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. I want to impress upon you something real simple here this morning. The nature of this forgiveness that you wear because of Jesus Christ. First of all, when you go back to the context in verse number 7 of Ephesians 1, and I've done this every single time, and I'm not going to quit, by the way. I'm going to bring it up every time, too. We are forgiven of our trespasses, the text says. When I looked up that word in my uh, uh, software system to figure out, how many times does the word trespass show up in Scripture? I was kind of surprised. Three times. Two of them in Ephesians. One in chapter 1, one in chapter 2. I found that very interesting because I was surprised. I thought I'd see it more often. Paul uses the word twice just in this epistle. As you see it there in verse 7, you know it's also in chapter 2, verse 1. Because that's what I keep bringing up. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. It says, that's the word peritoma, peritoma in the Greek. Para, alongside, toma, dead body. Not pretty, is it? Never is, but that's a picture of it. We, we generally, as the Greeks did, talked about it as a, a sidestep, uh, a lapse or a deviation, um, an error, a bad step, like I illustrate, you're walking on the side of a cliff and, and you don't have much room to walk, but once you take the wrong step, you're in trouble. Down you go. And that's the picture of the word. It's a bad step. You took a bad step, you fall down the cliff, you end up at the bottom alongside all the others that did too. Not pretty, is it? That's the word they use for trespasses in Scripture. It's a, it's a fault. It's a sin. It's an offense. But here's what's interesting about it. It can be unintentional, or it can be willful. Both of them are in that same word. A bad step on purpose, or a bad step on accident. The problem is, you end up still at the bottom, no matter what. That's the nature of sin. That's the picture that Scripture presents for us. It doesn't matter so much what it was that made you fall, it's just the results are the same. That's the word trespasses. It's very important that we keep that as our perspective here this morning, because we are sinners. We are sinners. And that means we need a Savior. We need a Savior. We cannot help ourselves. We cannot remedy our own situation. I love the wisdom of this word, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That takes away everything you could do. Everything. Now, I don't bring that up every week just because I want to bully everybody. It's just the reality of the text. It's the context. And the more we understand that, the more we see the beauty of what Christ has done for us. In Ephesians chapter 1. That is so incredible that He, God Himself, would put on flesh and come down and dwell among us. 
and then cap it with the fact that he died on a cross to pay for your sins and my sins. Hmm. He paid his own blood for you. So that we could be rescued. So that we could be given new life in Him. So that we would wear a new identity. Remember, because we are in Christ, we are new creatures. The old things have passed away. So it comes down to this. You are forgiven in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. I hope you know it. And I want to show you why it's so important to understand these words. Jump with me. Keep your bookmark in Ephesians. Jump with me to John chapter 8. The very first couple of verses here. You're going to recognize the story. Maybe you already did when I said John 8. You said, oh, I know where he's going. John chapter 8. I love these uh, these records of the life of Christ that give us a, a full picture of really what God thinks. Chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning He came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to Him, and He sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in, the, in adultery, in the very act. Now in the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. And when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman was there. She was there in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. Do you think that was a surprise? She expected any moment to lose her life. Any moment to lose her life. And she walked out of there a forgiven woman. Forgiven. I, I, I could only imagine the relief that must have been in her heart. In Mark chapter 2, I'll take you there for a minute too. Mark chapter number 2. We're going to start in verse 1 as well. Read through a handful of verses here. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 
And when he had come back to Capernaum, several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the words to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes are sitting there and reasoning in their heart, why does this man speak this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right there they should have said, we've got two options. <laughs> Either he's wrong or he is God. Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. Do you think that man was surprised? You would say, of course, he, he just was healed. I mean, that's where we normally put the focus. But he was more than healed. He went out of that room forgiven. He was forgiven. That should be the most amazing part of the passage to us. He was forgiven. The miracle was only to illustrate what? That Christ has the authority to do what? Forgive sins. That's amazing that he forgives us. That's amazing. To, to use the word aphia, aphia um, the Greek word, it says it in different ways. Uh, aphesis and aphiam and different ways like that. The word comes out as freedom. I like that. Pardon. It means to be delivered or forgiven or set at liberty. It's to have remission. It comes down in a very intensive way. Four little statements. Let go. Give up. Leave it. And forgive. Those are the four words that define this word. Let go, give up, leave it, forgive. It's a term that was used in many pictures where there was somebody who died and everything was left. Left to go. They were no longer there. They left behind it. Everything else is abandoned. Everything else is destitute. Everything else is left behind. It's no longer there. It's, it's given up. It's given up. I know that may not sound very nice to some, but when we talk about sins, and we put this word in on it, 
as to what Christ has done for us. When Jesus forgives, it's let go. It's given up. It's left behind. It's forgiven. How many times do we try to understand it through words in Scripture? Where God will say, your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Sometimes it will say it's cast into the depths of the ocean. Sometimes it will say that it's somewhere hidden in the middle of his back. If your sins are forgiven this way, folks, I want to ask you a question, a personal one here. If your sins are forgiven this way, then who is the one who keeps bringing them up? They have been sent away. They have been let go. They've been given up. They've been left behind. That's what Christ did for you. That's the ministry of God to us in Christ Jesus. Only Jesus made this possible. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God doesn't count them. They've been forgiven. You want a closer look? One step closer. It says, We have forgiveness of the trespasses according to the riches of His grace. According to. Now, we stuff a lot of other things in there that's not in the text. We say, I've been forgiven according to my repentance. Or the intensity of my repentance. Or the repetitiveness of my repentance. Or, (laughs) fill in the blank. It says here, according to the riches of His grace. According to is a measuring term. It's supposed to show you a proportion. A distribution term where things are done evenly. I tried to help a group of men many years ago who had forgiveness as an issue between them. These two groups had both sinned against each other, but neither was willing to forgive the other one until that first one admitted it and asked for forgiveness. Do you know that circle went on for ten years or more? The same thing over and over and over and over again? And I was asked this question so often. Are we supposed to forgive only after somebody asked for it? My response was this. We are told to forgive in proportion to the forgiveness we have received in Christ. It says in Colossians 3, verse 12 and 13. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved... Put on the heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. 
Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as, ooh, those are big words, just as the Lord forgave you, so should you forgive. He forgave us while we were vile sinners. He, he forgave us in the blood He shed. Reality, forgiveness was set in place long before we even existed. Long before we had even sinned. Long before we had even asked for it, He had already set it in place. By this I mean that Jesus' forgiveness was possible long before we ever took it. Long before it became your identity, he had already accomplished that work on your behalf. I don't understand it fully, but I do know this fact, that Christ didn't just barely forgive you. The proportion of his forgiveness is in the terms before us. If only we could learn to forgive like this. We'd be forgiving not with teaspoons, but with dump trucks. That's the difference. Because it says, the proportion He forgave you by is related to the riches of His grace. Now tell me, what are the limits of His grace? The Oklahoma border? Doesn't go, no, not New Mexico, right? When you try to measure out His grace, where do you set the boundaries, folks? If it is riches, what is the balance of His bank account? How big is this getting? Can you say that your sin exceeds His forgiveness? Really? Do you know why these words are recorded in Ephesians chapter 1? Do you know why they're here? Because he's identifying you in Christ. He's telling you what it looks like to wear the title forgiven on you. Because of Christ. It's not based on you. You didn't earn it. It's not based on me. The nature or the depth or the length of our sin is not what determines God's forgiveness. It's not bought by changing your habits. It's not because you give generously. It's not because you're diligent at work. It's only by Christ that you are forgiven. Understand that. It's only by Christ. That's the measure that's sitting before you. That's why we wear the title. It's in the riches of His grace, not yours. His. That's your position in Christ. That's what you have right now, the text says. You now have the forgiveness of your trespasses. Do you believe Him? I'm getting there. This is hard, isn't it, to wrap around? Especially if you've got a catalog in your brain of the things that you have done that's offended a holy God. 
And you say, mm. look again. This is not something you have earned. It's something given to you by the grace of our God. And His grace is so much bigger than you and me. That's our position. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to you from your position. You understand that. Your practice should come up to it. That's what we're called to do. It's because we are forgiven, we ought to live like we're forgiven. We ought to, to live and not return back to those things because those things are forgiven. Just like Jesus said, go and sin no more. When you grasp the idea you've been forgiven, it should change your behavior, shouldn't it? If you're struggling today, I mean, you're struggling, but certain sinful behavior has captured you again, maybe. You've tried a lot of things to overcome it. You, you're fighting it constantly. Maybe you forgot that it is only Christ who can overcome sin. In Second Peter, there's a rather interesting paragraph, and I'm about to close with this, but I want you to hear it. In Second Peter chapter 1, he starts to describe the things that we are supposed to be. Things that we are supposed to be growing in. And it's rather interesting in the Christian life that we have this all over the pages, but Satan has a wonderful way of distracting us and distorting God's grace and making us to, to flounder and wonder if God even loves us still. He's good at bringing that accusation against us. He's very good at that. And so as Peter is describing of the things that we ought to be, we should apply all diligence, Moral excellence is mentioned, knowledge is mentioned, uh, self-control is mentioned, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. These are qualities that belong to you and should be growing. And then he says these words in verse number 8, 2 Peter 1.8. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. They forgot. They forgot. The Greek concept behind this is they're in a room full of smoke and they can't find the exit. They're confused. They're confused. And it's so easy to get weighed down with sin, isn't it? Entangled, forgetful, all these things come upon us. That's why this morning I remind you of something very precious. I want you to understand, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you wear the title forgiven. You hear it? You wear the title forgiven. If your life does not look like that, believer, talk to him about it. You ought to live up to that title. I ought to live up to that title. But today is a new day. His mercies never cease. They are new when? Isn't that beautiful to see? Every morning. I love this. We can get back to where we're supposed to be. You wear a title. Live up to it. You are forgiven according to the riches of His grace. That's a precious term. That's a precious term. I hope you know it. 
I hope you know it. Heavenly Father, we all are in need of your forgiveness. We know that. And boy, what a precious thing it is that Jesus Christ died to take the price of our sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for making this word forgiveness possible. Making it a reality. Because of faith in you, we have been changed forever. Thank you for what you've done. Oh Lord, what an amazing thing. There are people in this room probably who really need to hear that today. They need to be reminded that in Christ Jesus they are forgiven. And maybe there's a need for a reminder for others who are dabbling in things they shouldn't. They are forgiven. So don't return back to where you were before. Don't go back there. That's not your place anymore. You're different now. These are words that set before us today, Lord, but we're amazed at what you have done. The great God of the universe who knows everything chooses to forget our sin. I don't understand it fully, but I'm sure thankful for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. We praise you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.